and welcome back to Fran Babble, the podcast of positive ramblings with me, Franny, and at the moment some wonderful friends. Firstly, I'd like to say I hope everyone's well. I know it's been a while since the last episode. I've been very, very busy. Um, I moved out of my Liverpool house and finished my degree, which is super exciting. I've moved home for the summer and just I'm getting ready to move to London in August, which is super exciting. But that means I haven't had a lot of chance to meet up with people and record any of the Fran Bubble episodes. So I'm so sorry for the delay on this one. But this one is worth the wait. So this week's episode is with none other than the wonderful Beth Westwood. Me and Beth have been friends since we were about seven and have a wonderful friendship that spans over many, many years. Um, And this episode is talking all about Beth's career as a paramedic. So we've spoken through sort of the different avenues you go down to become qualified, sort of her experience within the job and sort of any advice to people maybe wanting to become a paramedic and also (laughs) some of the interesting questions that you might want to know about what it's like to be a paramedic. Well, I said paramedic about three times there. (laughs) So without me rambling on, (laughs) without further ado, here is me and Bethany Westwood. Hello, Beth. How are you? (laughs) Hello, Franny. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm very excited to do this episode, you know. Me too. It's been a long time coming. It has been a long time coming. We have planned to do this for a very, very long time. And I always say that I always do so many episodes that are like, like, dance related or like music related or not not so i'm excited to do this one with you because it's like completely different something a bit different yes so first of all the first thing is can you tell us what your job is what you do and we'll start there yeah so i am a paramedic um i'm currently working for an ambulance service i've been qualified a year and a half so I'm coming up to my uh, two years post-qualification, which is when things become a bit more serious. Yeah. But yeah, we're still in that newly qualified process at the minute, six months to go. Lovely, so it'll fly by, I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure. And then, okay, now I'm going to save that question for later. I'm going to go back, I'm going to rewind. Okay. So let's start with, first of all, how did you know you wanted to be a paramedic? <sighs> And then second of all, how you did all your training. Okay, so the answer to the first question, mm-hmm. it's not going to be the answer that everyone wants to hear. <laughs> so, I always dreamed of being No, there. so it's, it's not that at all. So for me, I knew I wanted to do A-levels. I knew I wanted to go to university. Yeah. But if you'd have asked me at the time what the plan was for mm-hmm. all of that, I didn't have a clue. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when you were, we were younger, you wanted to be a hairdresser, and then you wanted to be oh like God, the chemistry teacher. Oh God, I went through teacher. so many phases. Went I went through, through many, so many phases. Many <laughs> so I did enjoy like chemistry and the sciencey side of things yeah. when I was doing like GCSE level. Yeah. So at A level, mm-hmm. I chose to do chemistry, biology, and maths. Oof, who yeah, to interesting, do that? <laughs> interesting. So did did those three? Mm-hmm. Uh, dropped maths after my first year did of you? doing it mm-hmm. um, because that was an utter fail. Anyone that tells you <laughs> that GCSE maths is the same as A level, no. they're lying. It's yeah, definitely I, uh, not. I definitely couldn't have done that. So then I swapped to do um, performing arts instead Slay. as like a segue. So actually yeah, a so segue after all. Um, <laughs> no, so I, I did that as a A level as well. Purely because it was easier to fit into the two years because I had to make up for the fact that I was going to be losing an A-level instead. Yeah. So then I had like a weird mix of biology, chemistry and performing arts. Razzle dazzle. And I had no idea what the plan was for that. Because mm-hmm. initially it was going to be like chemistry teacher mm-hmm. or a biomedical scientist. Like They're yeah. the routes I was going down. Yeah. And then to be quite honest, the thought of doing a job where mm-hmm. I went to the same place every day, did the mm-hmm. same thing every day. Yeah. That that idea, Monotony. yeah, I just 
I didn't like the idea of that at all. Mm-hmm. So I was a bit stuck. No, I still wanted to go to university. Yeah. Didn't know what like I was going really to do. Really academic, to do. weren't you? Yeah, I always loved school. Yeah. I always loved like writing. I remember when when we were kids, everyone actually, me and Beth used to pretend to be school teachers together. Oh yeah. When I was, oh yeah. Like, um, play schools and yeah. Yeah. So you've always been like academically yeah. focused. Yeah, guess, definitely like, always wanted to do uni. Yeah. Um, and then it's funny because actually my auntie works for another ambulance service, one that yes. I don't work for, but she works for another one. Um, and she said that she reckons I'd be quite good as a paramedic. And Mm -hmm. so I went along, did an open day for Mm -hmm. paramedic science Mm. and ended up applying and getting in. So, so you applied straight out of A-levels. Yeah. Yeah. So to answer the second question, there's two ways that you can go about becoming a paramedic. And is this like general for every single paramedic ever? I believe so. Just in this area. However, I think... By the sounds of things that people are at work... So, basically, there's two different routes. You can go mm-hmm. university or apprenticeship yeah. route. I believe there's only certain ambulance services that will offer the apprenticeship programme mm-hmm. because there's quite a few people at work that have come from different parts of the country to yeah. do the apprenticeship programme. Oh, interesting. Um, so, for me, university, it was... So, it used to be a two-year course. Mm-hmm. It's now become a three-year course because now you get a Bachelor's of Science degree at the yeah. end of it. And that's what you've got. And that's what I've got. Slay. <laughs> so you do three years um our, every uni course is different but majority of courses will have a theory mm-hmm. element and a practical okay. element yeah um so ours was 50 percent theory and then 50 percent was placement mm-hmm. um so for your placement you'd go out to the hubs that are already existing mm-hmm. and work as like a third person on the crew on the ambulance yeah. um so you always had the support of like a full crew mm-hmm. um you were always with a paramedic and you'd just be that extra person. Which and was, was that... Did that start, like, from first year? Yeah. You went yeah, so every single year, from yeah, first to third year, there was a placement block in every mm. single year. Do you remember how you felt, like, your very first, like, day? Like, oh, oh there's an email. There's an email. <laughs> um, I was super nervous. Because how old would you have been? 19? 19. At, 19 at that point. So I, I started January oh, of 2019. Yeah. yeah, that's another interesting So I had it? about six months of... Not quite a gap year, but like yeah, a mini half, a mini like, like half a gap year, yeah, six months. And... Yeah. Um, so yeah, I felt a bit nervous for my first shift. Mm-hmm. Like, what did it feel? Because like? the thought of me going on a paramedic shift makes me absolutely die laughing. Like, how in the hell did you have like the composure to go? Were you scared? I think I'd have been. I'd be really scared. <laughs> I think I was nervous. But because I'd already done some of the theory element at uni, excited. I was quite excited yeah, yeah, to yeah. go out and get involved mm-hmm. and actually do some of the stuff that I'd already learnt mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, first year is very basic. First yeah. year is just covering the basic assessments. There's not really any like paramedic mm-hmm. skills involved. It's more yeah. getting to grips with like your confidence, your people skills, Definitely. asking all the right questions, That's really and important. just like learning the ropes of it basically. Um, and then, like, second and third year is when you start to introduce, like, your skills and you start to take a bit more of a leader role within mm-hmm. it. Um, so ev- you have two mentors. So you have a one-day mentor and a five-day mentor. Right. Uh, your five-day mentor is the person that signs you off at the end to say that you are competent and you can qualify as a paramedic. Mm-hmm. Um, and your one-day mentor just sort of does the majority of your shifts but is there as, like, your consistent person of, like, support throughout. And is that- through all three years, or would you have a different mentor every year? So, <clears throat> I was very lucky 
I had the same one-day mentor for my three years. Oh, that's good. And then my five-day mentor left at the end of my first year. Right. Um, but he left me with a paramedic that he thought would be really that's good. Nice. And then I had that paramedic as my five-day mentor for my last two years. Yes. Um, like yeah, it's it's well. not the same with every hub, and it's not the same yeah. with every uni. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it all comes down to staffing, how long staff are there for, how yeah. many, like what your ratio of students to paramedics is. So it can't always be helped. But I was very very lucky in the sense that I had the same consistency throughout. And then obviously during your time at uni, you were like in the thick of COVID. Yes. How how did that sort of firstly like how did that affect you as a student and then secondly sort of how have you seen that affect like other paramedics and how it worked and how it ran and do you think you learned good things bad things like do you want to talk about your experience? It's a hard one. <laughs> I I think COVID was a really good learning curve mm-hmm. for especially my cohort that was yeah. at university yeah. at the time, so especially our group of people. Um, because obviously, as you can understand, when the pandemic started, they took student paramedics off their placements. Mm. Um, it was from a safety point of view of, you know, A, not wanting to expose us to COVID if it wasn't necessary, yeah. but also reducing the amount of people that were going into people's houses. Yeah. You know, why why put three people in someone's house and risk two, yeah. the infection when it could just be two? Mm-hmm. Um, so we could all completely understand why we were took off placement. You know, it was a bit annoying mm-hmm. because you want to do your placement as part of why you've signed up yeah. for the course. Um, but Those we, we like could all or... understand. Yeah. yeah. Um, however... The uh, trust decided that they wanted us to work through COVID, mm. um, which I think really, really benefited us. Um, so this is where like the apprenticeship part comes Isn't into it. Yeah. Um, because it's almost then as if we were sort of going down the apprenticeship route and the uni yeah, route at the same time. Isn't it? Um, because they were paying us to go on to shift, and rather than there being us plus two more people, it would be us with a paramedic. Yeah. Was that scary, the first shift you did like that? It was scary, knowing yeah. that... So, because we couldn't drive at the time, yeah, we couldn't sure. drive an ambulance because you need a different licence for it, we couldn't yeah. drive on blues because you have to do its own course. So, we knew from day one, it, it's something we were prepared for, but we knew from day one that every job we went to, if we were taking someone into mm-hmm. hospital, we were the person that had to sit in the back because yeah, our paramedic yeah. crew might have to, to do drive. the driving. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, And... At first, the thought of it absolutely terrified all of us. And mm. it wasn't something we were forced to do. Mm. It was a choice. Oh, is this um, sorry, second year or third year? This, this was second year. Yeah. So that's still so, not yeah. a lot, is it yeah. really, when you think about so that? So, start of... I'd say probably like middle. So, yeah. Middle of second year this mm-hmm. started. Um, and at first it was terrifying. Yeah. But actually, we we all say now that we are much thing. better paramedics for it. Mm. It was... Sort of we benefited so much from it because um, if we hadn't have done that we wouldn't have had placement for like yeah. a year yeah. a year and a half that would have been major not yeah. having all that that would have been huge so not only did we learn to work as a crew just us and one other person but it also yeah. meant that we were still being exposed and getting to practice our skills mm-hmm. when placement wasn't a thing yeah. at the time that's crazy and then did it sort of go back to normal when you were in third year or did it carry on so our placements went back to normal in third year, mm-hmm. but our sort of talk content, our theory all stayed online, mm. um, which 
it took some getting used to. Obviously, it's not the course you sign up for. You know, you sign up for a practical course, you're going in every day, you know, Monday to Friday, Mm -hmm. and then to go from that to being sat in front of the computer at home uh, was completely different. Mm -hmm. We got through it, you know, still graduated, and, you know, but, yeah, that was definitely a different way Mm -hmm. of working when uni changed. And then you do all that work, you do your whole three years, and then you graduate, and then you're like, oh, hang on, you're a proper qualified paramedic. Talk me through, obviously, now this next two years of, like, post-graduating. Mm-hmm. So, like, what happens after that? So, you, so you've just, just imagine, I'm paramedic, I've just done my three years, get, get my degree, whatever, then what happens after that? So then, so this, this all depends on which trust you decide to work for. So there's yeah. different ambulance services, dependent on the area that you're in yeah um so for the particular ambulance service that i chose to go and work for Mm -hmm. um for them so there was like a three week graduate induction so you go to their sort of academy if you like their Mm -hmm. version of like what university would be yeah um for three weeks and they cover so everything that you learn at uni is very like general Mm mm-hmm and then this three weeks that you do afterwards is sort of making everything that you've learned fit into their policies and their guidelines mm-hmm. and the the way that they have to work under the rules yeah. that they've got. Mm-hmm. So you learn that for the three weeks. And that bit, does that include your blue light bit? No, so then oh, the blue okay. light bit, yeah. so the driving, I can't remember, it was seven Scary. or eight weeks. <laughs> so it was, it was a good, like, two months oh, of really? driving. So, and was that, was that, like, just driving alone? Yes, oh, so your first, okay. like... I can't remember now, it's like a year and a half ago, yeah. but like your first part of it, two or three weeks, normal driving. So before you even get employed, you have to have your C1 on your license, mm-hmm. yeah. um, which is to drive a bigger vehicle. Yeah. Um, so that was done before oh. I graduated and before I um, qualified. Yeah. So you do your first like two or three weeks of the driving course with them, and that is just driving normal road conditions, yeah. getting used to the size like of the vehicle, vehicle, the weight of the vehicle. Um, and also it gives you a good chance to drive around the area that that yeah. specific trust covers. That's interesting. So that you get used to the, the area roads, that you'll yeah. be working in and the so roads. Is that like you and like a driving instructor? Yeah. Is so it like an ambulance driver instructor? Yeah, so oh, it looks like a normal awesome. ambulance from the outside, but on the inside, the back's been stripped out. Really? And it's just like normal chairs, like you'd, ex- like you'd seen like, like a minibus. Oh, yeah. That's so, um, cool. so it's like you, two or three other people that are on your course, oh, and the driving instructor. Oh, that's a bit scary. Um, and you all just <laughs> swap turns. around and take it in turns. Oh. And then your last <laughs> sort of three or four weeks is your blue light driving. Like fast driving. So that's your fast <laughs> driving. So um, it's really good to be fair because they. It, it's for a good amount of time, so they really take their time in teaching yeah, you how to, to do, do everything properly, safely. Mm. Are there a lot of like rules, um, like yes. specific rules within yeah. that? Yeah, so there's lots of exemptions that we have to be aware yeah. of. because like things that you can do. Because yeah. I think everyone just presumes you can just like drive willy-nilly to get to where no. you want to go, but you no, 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 can't. no. So if it's really important for us, especially from a legal side, that mm. we know the exemptions that we have Haven't. actually got. Haven't because you... You can't just get in, turn your blue lights on and do whatever you like because it it doesn't work like that. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, So there are actually two exams Mm -hmm. um, when you do your driving. 
that's so like a like a bit like a theory test. Yeah, so one paper is to do with the exemptions. So oh. to make sure that you know yeah. your exemptions of things that you can and can't do. Mm-hmm. Um and then the other one is a road signs paper. Oh. So you have to be able to tell someone what every single road it's sign is. Um, because yeah. it's really important that obviously if you're driving on blue lights, you you've see in road really, signs, really you've observant. got to know straight away what that means, what you're driving into. Yeah. That's interesting. And then on your like driving license, do you have like a little thing saying like ambulance or no? No. Or so just, just the only thing vehicles. on your driving license <laughs> is you see one. So right, a few okay. big vehicles. Oh. Um, yeah, that's interesting. And then do you find now driving your car different, like? Do you feel like you're like whoa? This is a small vehicle. Now you've been in like an ambulance all the time. What do you think it's like easier? Well, I when, used when you first I started, used yeah. to. I used to. So when I first started with the ambulance mm-hmm. service, I was driving a Polo. <laughs> so getting <laughs> so into exactly. that compared to an ambulance was tiny. Um, but I have actually got a bigger car now. Yeah, so you feel a bit more. I right? feel a bit more. <laughs> comfortable. You know, it's so funny though. When I got a new car the other day, and I thought, oh god, this is a big car. I thought, god, I could never drive a big car. But then I didn't even think, oh my god, she drives yeah. ambulance. <laughs> Like, this is not it's really it. funny that you say that actually because my brother asked me to move um he said he needed to move his van the other day yeah. and i offered to do it for him he said yeah. can you drive a van I'm sorry and i was like i drive <laughs> yeah. an ambulance Every for a living he was like oh yeah but people forget people yeah. forget that you that can so drive a big vehicle driving that is enormous i don't think and like no offense like you're quite a little person as well oh yeah you? oh people that's another thing where people will laugh all the time at how my seat is set up when i get in like right forward. i'm like right forward the t- seat's tilted right up because oh, look i need to be able to see, see i need yeah. to be able to reach all the pedals oh, that's so funny oh no i don't think i could drive an ambulance i think i think well because it's more than just driving fast it's driving fast and thinking about what you're gonna like see when you get there isn't it Cause yeah I think, I don't know how you have the, like, cool, calm, collected, like, mentality. Do you think that sort of comes with time? Or do you think that's something that you just have inside you that makes you a good paramedic? Do you know what I mean? I think think that's different for everyone. I think for me personally, I've never been, like, a stressy, flappy person. I've never been that kind of person. So for me, it always came quite naturally to just... You know, I'll deal yeah. with it when I get there, yeah. you know. Because yeah. the thing is, and it's hard to remember when you're going through it, but the thing is, until you get there, mm-hmm. there's nothing There's nothing you can do. So, you know, you can use that time to sit and think about, you know, what what am I going to need, what am I going to need to do, what mm-hmm. am I potentially going to need to give them. Like, mm-hmm. You can think about all of that, but yeah. realistically, there's no point getting yourself stressed and flushed before you get there because then that'll just cause brain fog and that just complicates things even more so it's really important that Mm -hmm. you know you can think about what you're going to do but trying to stay like calm so that you're walking into it calm and with a clear head Mm -hmm. but that's that's the beauty of having the two of you so there's always two on a truck there's Mm -hmm. always two i say truck Mm -hmm. ambulance truck we call them (laughs) trucks but there's always two people sat in the front Mm -hmm. so the person driving Obviously, driving on blues takes a lot of concentration. Yeah. So the person driving will mainly just be concentrating on that task alone. They're mm-hmm. just looking at where the traffic is, what they're having yeah. to navigate, and and doing all of that. It's the person that's in the passenger seat that's got gonna that's gonna be what we call attending the job. So that's right. the person that's leading, leading the job. Yeah. They they're the one giving the treatment, and we swap mm-hmm. about after yeah, every say, job. Every job is that how yeah. it works? Well, uh, so it a place where I used to work, mm-hmm. we swap about after every job. 
a place that I now work mm-hmm. does it slightly differently yeah. in terms of whether you've left someone at home or you've took them to hospital. Oh, right, okay. But the person that's sat in the passenger seat is the one that's is the one that's going to be thinking, what am I going to do when I get there? Yeah. What am like I giving sort of them? Person. They're the lead yeah. person. Um, but that doesn't matter if you're paramedic, technician, mm-hmm. student. Mm-hmm. So the technician and your student are people that are doing the apprenticeship route, yeah. which I'll talk about in a minute because yeah. I don't think I touched yeah. on earlier. <laughs> so many but follow-up questions from so me. So many follow-up. <laughs> but um, the person that's in the passenger seat is always the person that's, that's going like to be lead. thinking about those things because they're leading that specific job. Yeah. Cool. Um, so you talk about sort of technicians and like students and other avenues. So obviously, I think everyone just thinks, oh, everyone's a paramedic. No, but actually, they're not. Are no, they? they're so not. Tell me more about that. Um, so, <laughs> so there's two routes. So obviously, I went the university route, which yeah. we spoke about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other route, which is the apprenticeship route. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say again, I'm not sure if it's every single trust that yeah. does this because yeah. by the sounds of things, it's only very specific yeah. trusts that will provide this. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea is that it, it is an apprenticeship so you're paid from day one yeah. you go to their academy and do your training i think it's either i think it's about 12 weeks mm-hmm. um where they'll cover the basic content that we would have learned in like year one and like the first half of year two right, okay. so they sort like of cram speech. all that into yeah. 12 weeks mm-hmm. um they then do their driving course so the driving course is exactly the same Sorry, regardless of whether you've done university right. or apprenticeship so you're taught exactly the same by the mm-hmm. same instructors um and then if you're doing the apprenticeship route after your 12 weeks and you're driving you come out on the road Mm -hmm. um and the idea is that you work with a paramedic so the major difference is you don't get third manning um so that's straight you're straight in so you'll get like two or three third manning shifts when you first first come out on the road yeah so your first three shifts will be as a third man yeah purely for the reason of getting used to where the equipment's Mm -hmm. kept on an ambulance getting used to knowing where your hospitals are Mm -hmm getting used to things like that and then you'd be put the paramedic yeah so you start off as a student paramedic mm-hmm. with that whilst you're doing that you are you have like competencies signed off so right. little things that you've seen they assess yeah. um the paramedic that you're working with will sign okay. them off to say that you've done them you've seen them you've treated them abc all those mm-hmm. things um after that book's complete mm-hmm. you then go back to the academy right. and they'll sign you off as a technician right um once you're a technician you are then you work for a little bit and then eventually you'll get sent to university so it used to be the way that you didn't need a degree to become a paramedic that's now changed you You have to have a degree now to become a paramedic did Um, they ever say why that changed or i have no idea i have no i think it's just the way that our sort of scope of practice is changing Mm -hmm. and getting bigger um it it now requires a degree so is that that um so you do two years of apprenticeship and then have to go back for how long so it depends it it's sort of getting longer and longer the more things that people are adding in so i think at the moment the your period of time being a technician now lasts about 18 months right okay um so it's still quite when once you're back at uni it's kind of very similar to the uni uni course in sense of you're still coming out doing placement, but when you're on that placement, you are third manning because oh, okay. then you're working with a paramedic and someone else mm-hmm. so that you can be watched by the paramedic to do the skills that you've been taught right, at okay. university. That's so you sort of become a uni student, if you like, once yeah. you're a technician. Um, so you do all your third manning hours with your paramedic. You do all the same exams that mm-hmm. we would do at uni. So all yeah. your 
your practical exams, your written yeah. exams, all of that still happens mm-hmm. regardless of whether you do the apprenticeship or the uni route. Yeah. Um, and then once you've qualified um, as a paramedic, that's it then, you're that's paramedic. It. Paramedic. So you go, so whereas you were like student paramedic and then like paramedic, yeah. there would be like technician and then... Yeah, so para. they're like student, tech, then, then para. That's so yeah. interesting. Very interesting. I, I would say... It just left me. Sorry, it's left you. I would say the the main difference you find is one's paid from day dot. Oh yeah. The other isn't. That's interesting. But the, I feel like there's pros and cons to, to both. both. Yeah. So I feel like going to uni, although you're not being paid to do the job, mm-hmm. now that the uni courses are changing, yeah, it almost seems like the quicker mm-hmm. route. Um, and obviously you also have like the security mm-hmm. and the added bonus that all of your shifts are third man in shifts. But obviously the downside of that is you find that with technicians mm-hmm. coming out, their confidence is a lot higher yeah. a lot earlier on yeah, because they've, they've been forced to just work with one other person. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, but then, so they, do they work with one other person and then go back to being... Yeah. That's interesting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that must but have been really that's interesting. so that they have observed. full attention on the paramedic to yeah, do the skills things. that they need to do. Yeah, that must be really so it's like a safety thing, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's what? pros and cons to both. to both. Yeah. Yeah. And looking back, do you think... Um, well, two-part question. One, are you happy with the route you chose? Or would you like maybe like to do the other one? And then two, is there anything that you wish you'd done in hindsight before you started to like prepare you more? Or would you think you're all right? <laughs> so I'm happy with the route I went down. Mm-hmm. I think... Because, I, like I said, I always wanted to go to university. So, and in my yeah. head, because I'd, because I'd just come out of GCSEs and A-levels, mm-hmm. I knew that because at the point of me finishing A-levels, if I wanted to be a paramedic, I knew regardless that I was going to end up at university, That's no so matter cool. which route I went mm-hmm. down. So for me, in my head, it made sense for me personally to go straight to uni because I was al- already going. in that academic mindset. Yeah. I didn't have time to forget how to write an essay and then go yeah, back to it. I was, definitely. You know. Yeah. So for me, I'm happy out. I went down the uni route. Good stuff. The only thing I'd have done differently is I would have done my C1 driving license mm. a lot earlier on. So that's, that's something that you do independently. Yeah, it's do that separate. Yeah, so your... it's nothing to do with, with the trust that you go and work for. It's, but they require it. It's a requirement that you that they you require have you have right, okay. from day one. Right. Um. Now, I was quite lucky in the sense that because I finished in, like, the middle of one year and then didn't start until the January of the next, I had a good six months to get my C1 done. There's yeah. And it's like any other driving test. It's mm-hmm. a theory test and a practical exam. Right. Um, but there's also... Vehicles. Yeah, but there's also, like, a manoeuvring mm-hmm. exam. So there's, oh. like, three different exams. Okay. Um, personally, I wished I'd have just got it over and done with because there was actually some people that during the covid days when i was talking how we came out and we couldn't drive Uh, there was actually some people that because they'd already done their c1 they could actually drive that's Um, interesting not that that changed my experience of working during covid but it's something that if anyone said to me oh what what should i do to prepare to do this job go and get your c1 done just get it done and out the way Mm -hmm. um because it's a requirement that you have to pass your regular driving test to even get on the course right yes so because they require you to obviously drive to your placement area from university um it was a requirement to have my driving license before i even started uni because that's interesting because that could hold a lot of people back from being a paramedic like in terms of like um sort of like accessibility and stuff like if someone 
like hadn't passed their driving test before mm. but was maybe trying to or couldn't afford well, it well it nearly stuff. did for me it yeah. took me that many attempts to drive my actual <laughs> driving test um because i purely because i was nervous under pressure doing yeah. the driving test i don't know what came over me yeah. Um, but I nearly didn't start university mm, you um, in the January because of my driving test. But luckily we passed yeah, in the December. God. So just about, <laughs> just, just about scraped It was a long, hard road, Beth, when we Absolutely. got there. <laughs> we got there in the end. No, it's true. But I do, I do think they say, you know, taking a couple of tests helps you become a better driver. They do say. Like, I, mine was an absolute fluke. If we're talking driving tests here, like, if I had not passed that day, I kid you not, I would not be driving. Honestly. <laughs> I, I was so lucky. It was a genuine fluke, but... I do feel for you because if I had to do it more than once, I think I'd like have a mental breakdown. Honestly, but you know what? Looking back now, if you'd have told me after I'd failed that first test that it didn't matter because one day I was going to be driving an, an ambulance. ambulance on blue light, so I'd have told you that you're lying. Yeah, yeah. But you know, never give up when you do. Honestly, <laughs> literally, literally, don't let it put you off yeah. because so true. I. Yeah, as I say, I wouldn't have believed it if someone told me years ago that this is what I'd be doing now. Yeah. And almost do you think that um, when trying to pass your driving test, you had the thought of, shit, I need to... Oh, I need to get this done before, like, I, like, go to uni. Like, was that... Do you think that almost maybe made it more pressure? Yeah, and it was a funny one with my driving test because so for some of the tests, I had the exact same examiner. Mm. Um... And it's funny because after the second time of them being in the car with me, they were like, you don't make any mistakes mm. once you've realised you've failed. He said, oh. you'll be driving for like five, ten minutes, mm-hmm. make a major mistake that's instantly a fail. He said, but once you've because you know that you've failed, you're fine. you relax and you don't yeah. make any... He said, you don't pick up any minors after you've done oh. something that makes that's you so fail. Crazy. So for me then, I kind of had to have a little word with myself because it was like <laughs> it on, wasn't man. it wasn't my physical ability that was the problem 100%, 100% it was the fact that I'd got myself so worked up and so nervous yeah because someone was watching my driving definitely that was the problem yeah you can get totally in your head about it can't yeah. you and then also you do things and you're like what am I doing like I know better than that like, literally what? and you know <laughs> the amount of times I did something I'd be like I don't know why I've just done that mm-hmm. I never would have done that if I was sat in the car with yeah. my instructor never definitely and in terms of, like, other tests and stuff you had to do, you had to do, like, a fitness test, didn't you? Oh, my God. That was the fitness <laughs> test. And, and where, where, whereabouts in the three years did that come? So that was once I'd qualified. Okay. So, again, this might be a trust-specific thing. Yeah. For the trust I work for, you have to do a fitness test. Now, I <laughs> I thought I was quite a fit person. Yeah, I would have said that um, too. <laughs> and actually, they call it a fitness test. It's not fitness that was the oh, problem for no. me. It was strength. Mm. So, and in specific, grip strength. Yeah. That is that is not something... something you consider. Yeah, it's yeah. not something on a daily basis <laughs> that you oh, go to... You don't strength. go to the gym and think, oh, I'm just going to work on my grip strength <laughs> today. And, you know, and I think I was a bit cocky, really, because I... Mean, I, I they said you need to prepare for this fitness test. Yeah. You might think you're fit, but you're you not. need to practice yeah. your grip strength. You need to... And I thought, no, I go to the gym yeah. anyway. I'm quite a fit person. Like, I'll, I'll be, be right. fine. I'll breeze this. Yeah. No problem. Because on paper, didn't look like that much of yeah. a problem. I thought, oh. yeah, I'll be fine. Oh, not my there. God. First attempt, failed. Massively <laughs> oh, failed. No. 
Um, the hardest part yeah. is calming your heart rate down to begin with. Oh, really? So that they actually let you do the test. Really? They test yeah. your heart rate at the beginning? So they'll check your heart rate at the beginning. Oh, my God. To make sure that you're, like, medically fit to do it. Right, okay. But obviously, you're, everyone's you're stressing on the day. <laughs> oh, no. So you have to sit in the chair for, like, I had to sit down. there for a good five minutes. Oh, no. Just breathe. focusing on my breathing <laughs> until they saw a certain number on the screen. And then they went, okay, yeah, great, get off. Off you go. Oh, my God. Um, this is scary. It was, Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, anyone that's going to go and train to be a paramedic and he's going to do a fitness <laughs> test, go to the gym, <laughs> right, and it, you're going to look silly doing it. Find a bar somewhere and hang off it, right? <laughs> no, you laugh, you laugh. But the best way to improve your grip strength is to literally hang onto a bar and see how long you can hold your body weight for. If you can hold your body weight on yeah. a bar... You'll pass the grip strength test. Right. Grip strength test. You'll be yeah. fine. Mm. But go and do deadlifts as well. Yeah. Because that's another one. <laughs> but honestly, just... So what, so what... Okay, talk me through. You've lowered your heart rate. You're ready to go. How does it happen? So I've lowered my heart rate. Ready to go. Yeah. So the first is the grip strength test. Oh, which so was just... It was, a, it was the first thing. <laughs> so it was like the but, last thing. No, but the thing is, if you fail one element, which is kind of good, if you fail one element, even if it is right at the start, which it was for me, they tell they'll you let you do... They'll the tell you that you failed it, but they'll let you do the rest. Right. So that you've sort of you got know. a feel for the test, so you know what it is, which oh. is really good actually. Yeah. Because at the time it was feeling. But at the time thick. I was like, why am I even bothering? Like, <laughs> I've literally just failed. So sorry, I did. I laugh, it's no, not honestly, I was absolutely mortified. So I did the grip strength test first. Uh, if you go on Amazon, you can buy them. If you literally type in grip strength machine, right, and what is it? And it's just like you have to. All you have to do is hold it in one hand. Yeah. And squeeze, squeeze a bar from like it's a it's literally a handheld device it's not very big you just have to squeeze it and it'll tell you how hard you're squeezing and you've got to hit a certain number you've got to squeeze that hard you've got to squeeze that hard how do you even train squeezing hanging (laughs) so it's more it's more like your like forearm strength if you like i don't think i have any sorry for anyone obviously this is a podcast so you're not going to see us but we're currently just squeezing squeezing our hands right i don't think i could do any harder than that which i think is not a lot i have very weak wrists this is what i mean you've got to try i thought i was going to be fine no train your grip strength guys just (laughs) go to the gym hang off a bar train your grip strength is that how they do they advise you to train it that way so they they advise us to train by squeezing a tennis ball which sounds weird, mm. but actually a tennis ball doesn't squeeze as much. Like no, It's not as it's soft not as soft. you think. It's not like a dress So ball, you yeah. have to really try and squeeze it to get it to, mm. to squish, if I you like. You need to sit there and just yeah. tennis balls Honestly, so they, they warned us yeah. that this was going to be the case whilst right. we were still at uni. Mm. So whilst we were on placement, whilst so we were in those <laughs> hubs, they'd say, you've got your tennis start balls, start training That's now. So and we'd all be sat on the way to jobs we're in the back of the ambulance squeezing tennis balls. Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. Um, okay, so you've done your grip strength. Done the grip strength. You passed it in my eyes. In my eyes, <laughs> I thought I was gonna pass it. Yeah. So then you do. I can only describe it as like a deadlift. Right. Now there's there is meaning behind all these tests. So the grip okay. strength is to make sure that you can. So we've got a machine called a Zoll. Right. It's a heavy piece of kit. Has to go into every single job. Right. That is to make sure that you can safely carry that mm-hmm. piece of equipment for as far a distance as you need, need to carry it yeah. for, right. without dropping it or yeah. damaging yourself or so, you know. Yeah. So there's a reason for that. That's yeah. why you do that one. That's okay. The second one <laughs> is 
Yeah, as I say, all I can describe it as is like a deadlift. Mm -hmm. So you stand on what looks like scales. There's a chain attached Mm. and then a bar on top of the chain. Right. You have to stand as if you're going to deadlift it and then pull up. Right. Um, The the chain doesn't actually move, which makes it... Mm. That's what makes it feel a bit odd. Yeah. Um, Because it's like you're doing a deadlift, but the the bar's not not going anywhere. It's not moving. Um, But the idea of that is to make sure that you can safely lift so if you've got someone on a scoop, which is like a hard board that right. we put people on, yeah. it's to make sure that you can safely lift, lift them from the floor and up. Yeah. Um, it's all to do with like your hamstring strength mm-hmm. and like your leg strength yeah. and then obviously your back strength as well to yeah. make sure that you can lift people. Mm-hmm. Um, so for that one, if you're going to train for that one, do deadlifts at the gym because <laughs> yeah. it just works all the, the right areas. areas. Yeah. Um, and then, so you've done that one. Then the next bit is flexibility. Yes, welcome but to obviously, my corner. But obviously, yeah, <laughs> welcome to your corner. And this is the bit that I absolutely breezed. Really? I was absolutely Slide. fine at this. Yes, so you sit with your feet against the wall. You have to like reach that. And then you have to reach. Yeah. Um, you have to... The no, hamstring... Hamstring hamstrings are a the big, hardest one. Yeah, yeah, it's a big, big part. It's really difficult to do that. Um, like, even as a dancer, that, that stretch is like... I'm talking like a pike stretch, everybody. Like, even that is hard as a dancer who's, like, flexible. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so you don't quite have to be able to touch your toes. You just have to, like, um, There's, like, a board in front of you and you have to push, push. The, the bar, yeah. like, as far away right from you as possible. possible. Um, but it has to go past a certain point mm. for it to be a pass. Mm-hmm. Um... And then the last part is the step test. Oh. The only way I can say to train for this is to actually do the step test <laughs> in the gym. Oh, really? Which I was doing. You're um, walking up to the So steps. get a little step in front of you. Oh, like a... And then you need kettlebells. Oh, right. So I can't places. remember if it was... I remember in the gym, I was using a 12, two 12 kilo kettlebells mm-hmm. and two 16 kilo kettlebells. Damn. They were they were heavier than what the test was, but I thought if I can do this, yeah. I can do the test. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they'll basically put some uh, heart monitor things on you to really? monitor your heart rate throughout. Really. And then over a certain amount of time, I'd have to get the paperwork back out to know exactly what really? time yeah, it yeah, were. Yeah. But have you have to up step up and down the steps with these things in your hands. With those things in your hands, so you do it with the lighter weight first, yeah. up and down. I think it's like two minutes. Yeah. Um, put them down. Then you do CPR for two minutes. What? And then you jump back on the steps <gasps> wow. with the heavier weights and do two minutes with the heavier weights. Wow. The whole time they're making sure. So your grip strength comes into that of being Damn. able to hold the kettlebells for, for the two long. minutes whilst yeah. you walk in. That's so um, but also obviously. That's like the fitness side of you, like oh, watching the, your heart, heart rate, rate doesn't go, go too high. That's the thing you're with doing your heart that. rate, though, you can't really do a lot to like obviously, cardio. Obviously, do, like long like times doing it, yeah. but in the moment, you can't be like heart go down or like heart yeah. go up, like, so or, this, like you can't uh, hold on longer. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the, you can't really control that. Obviously, you can in training leading up to it, but in that moment, like, you know, if you drop the kettlebell, like you dropped it, but you failed. Your heart, like, you can't. You can't say, heart, oh, stop doing that, Yeah, please. so I think it's... Wow. I think along it's with... extensive. Yeah, so if you... You know when you asked me the question of what mm-hmm. would you tell someone to do? Yeah, train that. Do Go to the gym. And it, so, it sounds silly because you don't have to go to the gym and be like gym running a marathon yeah. every day and yeah. throwing around heavy weights. Yeah. Like, you don't have to be doing that. Mm-hmm. But just go to the gym. Do a bit of cardio. Get your heart rate in a comfortable, Mm -hmm. like, area. Mm -hmm. Go and do your deadlifts. Go and do your grip strength. Because 
if you work on that gently over a longer period of time it's going to be a lot easier than what i had to do where i was then in the gym for like every day for a month like extensively deadlifting every day grip strength every day doing my step test Mm. every single day like just prepare yourself (laughs) and just do it over a longer do yourself the favor of doing it over a longer period of time and do you find now now you've qualified that you still have to keep that up yeah, so I I still go yeah, to the gym yeah. now. I'm nowhere near as, like, physically extensive yeah. as I was at the time yeah, yeah, of yeah. training for the test. Um, of course. But I guess you've got the, like, like you're doing it in your day-to-day life, aren't you? Yeah. So I guess that's, like, that's almost training as well by you lifting people and whatnot. Yeah. I find the most important thing to keep on top of now is like my core strength and my back strength yeah, so you don't hurt yourself because I you're guess. constantly carrying people in chairs or on boards yeah. and it's you know you're carrying everyone mm-hmm. from from kids to you know fully grown adults and you know i'm not very big <laughs> so you have to make sure you that you've it. got enough strength there not so that you know you look like a hero and you're hercules yeah. <laughs> but purely so that you're not injuring really yourself so. whilst you're doing yeah. your job definitely definitely okay i'm going to take us more down there less physical route more like mental and emotional route okay do you think um like what is the most like rewarding part of it but also what's like the most like challenging part of being a paramedic or do they both come almost hand in hand i think (laughs) i think they come hand in hand sometimes i think the i think to say the hardest part of the job is very difficult because for every single person that's completely different yeah um so if, if you were to sit in a crew room full of say 20 paramedics every single person i can guarantee you has got a different answer to this Mm -hmm. question yeah and that's because because we're all human at the end of the day Mm -hmm. we've all got different things that will bother us or will affect us more than other things you know it's not always the the big traumatic Mm -hmm. trauma jobs if anything they're the jobs when we feel most comfortable because they're the jobs that we're trained to do Mm -hmm. i think you find the hardest part is when emotions are involved on a job. Yeah. That's when we we struggle. Yeah. You know, and it, it's fair to say we struggle because mm-hmm. we do. We're all humans yeah. at the end of the mm-hmm. day. But the biggest part about it is we all know that if we're struggling, we're there to support one another. Uh, yeah. Like the bond that you create with your crewmate, mm, even just in that like... twelve hours, is massive. <laughs> yeah, because if imagine. you know, if you go to a bad job. You've gone to that bad job together. Yeah. That is the best person to sit and talk to about <coughs> that job that sort of, and yeah. to just go through the most. I think the most important part of it is it's okay to feel emotional mm-hmm. and it's okay to feel bothered by a job. Mm-hmm. But the important thing is it that you take the time to process that mm. and and then let it go. It sounds yeah. harsh, no, but no. process yeah. those emotions and then let them go. Yeah. Because if you sit and you hold on mm-hmm. to that emotion and you hold on to those thoughts... You'll never get... You, like, to you the know, next you thing. won't ever... Yeah. You know, you'll struggle to stay in the job five mm-hmm. years. You know, yeah, burnout time for paramedics is now five years. Yeah, that's so interesting, isn't which, it? Which, you know, that that's, so, that's so, like saying to me... So I'm 23 now mm-hmm. and I've nearly been qualified two years. So that's mm-hmm. like saying to me, oh, when you're 26, Six. you'll be getting a different job. job that's crazy, that, isn't it? You know, and... I think it's like that longevity is based on how well you can process things that you've seen and then done and experienced, do you think? Absolutely. I think it's... I think some... Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Some people come out of the job because they want to start families yeah. and they want to go yeah. to alternative jobs that's 
they'll still use their paramedic degree mm. um but you know it's more sociable hours yeah, of course. you know because if you've got kids you want something that's going to give you the yeah. weekends off you of want course. something with less hours because like shift because otherwise because at the minute i do um several shifts a week it changes at the minute but they're all 12 hour shifts it's a long time it's isn't you know it? it's not that consistent so for someone that wants to be starting a family that's yeah. not that's not a mm-hmm. you know helpful thing to be doing it's not consistent yeah um so you know some people leave the job for that reason mm-hmm. because you know they've got other things they want to do in life and what other very briefly sort of what other roles are there that you can do with a paramedic so there's a lot of paramedic roles within GP surgeries now. Mm. Um, so you'll find that paramedics will go out and assess patients for GPs. Like triaging. Yeah, so like yeah. triaging patients. Um, you can then go on to do... So like you can go and work in A&E mm. as a paramedic. That's so um, but with that, you do have to go and do like some extra, extra bits things. at uni. But it can like this degree can be converted into like this some degree other can be like added on top of. So if you yeah. did your master, if you went and mm. did your masters, um, again that opens up loads more doors of different roles that you can do in hospital, yeah. different roles that you can do sort of other levels of care. Um, there's also private work, mm. which can be quite interesting sometimes yeah. because then you find yourself at events, you know, yeah. concerts. It's so funny. I feel like I, like I go to a lot of theatres and there's always like two yeah. paramedics say You forget that that's like private and not like yeah like funded or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. there was um there's a group of people at work who used to when the contract was available mm. um used to do work at glastonbury mm. it was that's, all volu- cool. it was all yeah. volunteer work so it wasn't yeah. paid but yeah. if you think about it they were getting into glastonbury yeah. for free watching <laughs> the whole thing for free yeah. um mm. so yeah the, you know there, yeah, there is fun perks side to the job because i guess you think you just think oh like paramedic and that's it but actually there is like there's loads of different and you know what if you are into education you can go to university and be a lecturer in paramedic science that's so interesting um so it's like the world's your oyster about absolutely yeah it used paramedic used to be a role that was very much just you're on an ambulance that's what you do Mm. but now that that's completely changed there's loads that you can do with it now interesting and do you see yourself doing one of multiple of those things or i think eventually i think for me it'll be more a case of when i am ready to settle down start a family yeah i think at that point Mm -hmm. i'll start considering you know what my other options are but you're still young and free yeah but to be quite honest (laughs) at this point it you know my mindset of the whole thing is Mm -hmm. I've done the course for three years at university. Yeah, it's time to like... I want to get the most out of my degree as possible. And do you know what? I love my job. Yeah. I don't see <laughs> myself coming out of this job anytime soon because I love, love what I do. Yeah. You know, there's there's never been a day yet where I get up and think, oh, God, I've got to go to yeah. work. I can't be bothered. That's good. But I think that comes with the fact that I don't know what I'm going to be doing when I turn up to work. Yeah. It's different every mm-hmm. single day. The and people that, that I work with are different every yeah. single day, so it, it keeps you on your toes a little bit. And do you think that sort of, it's that passion every day that just keeps you going? Definitely. I love that. It's such a good vocation. Okay, and this is going to be our last question to round it up. Is, and <laughs> this is going to be a fun one to, for you to answer. Every time I see Beth, everyone, just a side note, I always ask her, Beth, as a civilian, what do I need to know about being good for the paramedics? <laughs> Either A... Because I am training CPR. I'd be very scared to do it, but if I had to, I would. Um, so first of all, very quickly, your thoughts about CPR training and when's the best time to do it and should you do it, how should you do it, whatever. And second one, any general tips for civilians when you're calling an ambulance, when should you, when shouldn't you, in 
five seconds go. <laughs> five seconds on the line. So in terms of CPR training mm-hmm. and you know resuscitation training, if you are given the opportunity to do it, do, do it. it. So it, true. It Preach. is the one thing you know. If you call an ambulance for someone that's not breathing, mm-hmm. that is the first thing they're going to tell you to do on the phone. Mm-hmm. And trust me, it's going to be so much easier for you to do if you've already had training yeah. and you know what you're doing. Um, you know, you've not got to be an expert in it. Mm-hmm. it you know, CPR is one of the easiest things to do. It doesn't require that much skill. It doesn't mm-hmm. require any thought. Yeah. Um, but it's such a crucial skill to have. Yeah. Because it, so you know, true. it. We find as paramedics, if we turn up and someone's already doing CPR, that per that patient that's having the CPR done mm-hmm. has had the best chance at survival, survival possible. Totally. Um, and you know what? We would much rather someone be doing CPR, even if the CPR's not that great. Mm-hmm. We'd rather you be doing something. Yeah. Um, because that's that's just increasing that person's that's chance sense. of survival. Mm-hmm. So, for training, anyone, any age. If you're given the opportunity, go and give it a go. Because it absolutely is... It's a life skill that I think everyone should have. Yeah, I agree. Because we learnt it in school. I remember they did a big day. They came in, taught all the year 11s how to do it. That was our first experience. And then I've done it multiple times in girl guiding and then multiple times for, like, teaching and stuff like that. And obviously, like, the difference between, like, uh, baby CPR and then child CPR and, like, adult CPR. Mm. Like, it's so important... Um, and I think one of the big misconceptions is, like you said, like having to be an expert in it. Like, I think, oh, say if you did your training a year ago and you think, oh, actually, I'm not that, I can't really remember. too. Like, you can remember, like, the basic mm-hmm. things, but you think, oh, I might not get that right. Like, I think you've always reassured me that it's better to, like, try and do something right than to not do anything yeah. and do everything, like, nothing at all. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and the thing is, if, you know, if you're ever put in the unfortunate position where you are having to do CPR on someone, the person on the other end of that phone is guiding you, you through the it. whole thing. Yeah. So, really, the training's just there so that you sort of know the physical actions yeah, that you're going to be taking. Yeah, but, that's so you know, they're going to guide you through how quickly you should mm. be doing it, you know... They talk you through the that whole thing. Then, They'll yeah. even talk you through your hand position, how deep you want to yeah, go, that's... how quickly you want to do it. Mm-hmm. And they stay on the phone with you the entire yeah. time until we turn up. Yeah. So, you know, as like I say, like you said, we don't, you don't need to be an expert yeah. on it because mm-hmm. you're always going to be guided through it if ever that situation yeah. occurs. I think that's really reassuring, I think, as someone who's like, I would do it if, like, you know... Because we, well, we did a lot in psychology about, like, the diffusion of responsibility of, like, the fact that if loads of people are around, like, you won't do it because you think someone else is going to. But actually, yeah. in those moments, like, the bystander effect, like, actually, you actually need to, like, step up and do it because yeah. people might all Absolutely. think there's someone more qualified than them, but actually, someone just needs to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and do you know what? I can guarantee yeah. you, if in that situation there is someone that is more qualified, if there's a healthcare professional in that setting... Yeah. It won't be a question of, is there someone more qualified? Because I can guarantee they'll be jumping straight in. in so, you know, if yeah. you're in that situation and no one's jumped in, be it's probably person. fair to assume that there isn't anyone yes. there that's medically trained mm, um, so and that you're so much better off just jumping in. Yeah. And, you know, if someone... If, if say, you're in that situation and you're outside in public mm-hmm. and people are walking along the street... If a medical professional happens to walk past and sees you doing that, mm-hmm. I guarantee they'll probably come it's over and take help. over anyway. Yeah, that's so um, true. But if no one's doing it when 
you're put in that situation, mm-hmm. absolutely start. It's and I guarantee you someone, whether that be a bypasser mm-hmm. or when we arrive, mm-hmm. someone will take be there over. to take over. But another thing you said to me before is like, if someone's doing like a good job, that really helps you out as a paramedic. Absolutely does. That's, that's you know, so interesting. It absolutely does. And it's all very situational, but you know, I've had it in circumstances where I've turned up and the quality of CPR being given is so good mm-hmm. that actually I've asked that person if they mind carrying on for a little bit. Mm. Um, and they have, which gives me chance to do all of the other extra little bits that I need to do yeah. before I then take over. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, every every little bit of training that someone's got absolutely helps us. And it helps the person that needs exactly. it most at the time. So true. And the last little bit about calling ambulances, when to call, when not to call. Controversial. <laughs> controversial. Last controversial. one. Controversial. Um, you don't have to. You don't want to. <laughs> no, it's. Do you know what? It's one of those. I think education mm. is the really biggest important. area that we're sort of missing out on at the minute. Completely. It's agree. it's sort of the biggest requirement mm-hmm. I think at the moment. Yeah. And you know, it's one of those things where it's just knowing what the right pathway is for you at that time you know just think about it if if you're in a situation where potentially you could go to the pharmacy for that problem Mm. or you could call your gp for that problem Mm. then you know go down that route yeah um but do you know what if if you're in a position and you're considering calling an ambulance call one yeah. you know the person on the phone is going to ask you questions yeah if if you're answering their questions and you know they might actually turn around and go do you know what actually mm-hmm. today i don't think you need an ambulance mm-hmm. try x y and z and there's nothing wrong with that yeah or they might say oh try one 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 or you know they will help guide you um yeah but you know if you're ever in doubt and you're thinking i should be calling an ambulance just call one yeah. Um. Because the amount of times that I've turned up to houses and people have been really poorly because they've been pondering on whether they should or whether they shouldn't, and yeah. they feel bad for wasting time. And yeah. you know, it's those people actually. Mm. No, you you, you should have called. You were the one that we actually needed to get to. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, so yeah, I think just think about it. But I would never say I would never turn around to someone and say, "Oh, you shouldn't, shouldn't. have called an ambulance for that." Yeah. You know, we'll always turn up. We'll mm. always give you the right you know mm-hmm. advice for that scenario mm-hmm. um but i think the biggest misconception which i always tell people and it needs to be dealt with yeah. because <laughs> it, it's my biggest bugbear is you will not i repeat you will not <laughs> get seen quicker if you go into a and a via an ambulance mm, very um, interesting. if anything you are actually further down the list to be seen because mm-hmm. if we think about this logically if you turn up to a and e in an ambulance, the staff that are in A and E see it as you've already been assessed by a clinician. Mm. Yeah, you've already so received started receiving treatment uh, yeah. from a clinician. Mm. Um, so really, you don't need to be seen as a priority because you've already been sort of it's half dealt with. Yeah, yeah. You know, people that are turning up, they're going to get triaged much quicker because mm. they've not been seen by anyone yeah, yet. Yeah, that's so interesting. So Obviously, but, it's like life or death. I was going to say, however, <laughs> um, if if you need to call an ambulance, absolutely call one. Yeah. Because um, the thing is with A&E, it's not a first come, first serve. No, it's it like is priority. always prioritised in terms of who needs care the quickest. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah. so it just all comes in and... Yeah, all comes order. in. Lovely. Okay, very last question. Okay, do. What's the best bit of the job? Best part of the job. 
Oh, that's so hard. <laughs> that is so hard. Do you know what? Best part about the job is just when people... It's when people thank you for doing your job. The thing, it, to pe- when people say thank you, you know, it's a big thing for them. And it's nice because for us, it's like, well, to us, we don't feel like we've done anything special. We've not done anything that spectacular. Mm. We've just turned up to You've work that day job. and done our job. We've yeah. done the thing that we're taught to do. Yeah. Um, but it just feels nice to have that appreciation. Yeah. And, you know, to know that what if someone's potentially having the worst day they've ever had, mm-hmm. you've turned up and helped them. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's emotional. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So true, though. And I have to say, I'm forever, forever proud of you. And I'm always in awe of you. It's funny because I always say, I've said this to you a million times, in the singing and dancing and acting industry, there's a big joke where everyone goes, don't worry, guys, like you're not saving lives. Like, they always joke about it as the, you know, don't stress that you didn't get that double pirouette. Like, don't worry, you're not saving lives. But you literally are. <laughs> <laughs> like, how wild. That is wild. And I sing. God, we love our mel- medical healthcare professionals. <laughs> and on that note, we'll wrap it up unless there's anything else you want to share. No, that's all Feeling for good. me. Well, that's thanks all. for chatting about it. Thanks for having me. So much fun. Right. Woohoo. Oh, what a fantastic episode. I absolutely love recording that episode with Beth. Um, it's really nice to talk to people who like aren't in the like performing arts and creative business on Fran Bubble. I think it's really important to get sort of more well-rounded world viewers. What I'm aiming to do with Fran Bubble with friends is speak to lots of people who are my friends and my age and in all different career paths and um, fields. So it's really, really nice to speak to people who aren't in the creative arts too. Um, but Beth is just amazing. She's one of my longest friends and I'm just in awe of what she does every single day. Um, as I said in the episode, you know, in performing arts, we're told, oh, you're not saving lives, like, don't worry. But she literally is, and wow, I, couldn't be me. It really, it really couldn't be me. I'm so, so proud of her every day. So thank you for listening, everybody. If you do have any further questions about, you know, uh, the journey it takes to become a paramedic, you have any other things that you want to know, um, be sure to reach out to myself and I'll get those messages on to Beth too. Um, and equally, if you know anyone who is training to be a paramedic and might, you know, um, like use this episode as some advice, um, it might be helpful, then please, please share it and let them know. Um, once again, if you're not following the Fran Babble Instagram, I'd love to head over there and check it out. Um, Every time there's a new episode, I share a bit of information about the person, the guests, and also their social media if you want to interact with them at all. But enough of me rambling. This episode is long enough. (laughs) So as I always say, whenever or wherever you're listening to this podcast, I hope that you're having a beautiful day and I'll see you next time. Thank you. (laughs) 